Well, hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Fielder Church podcast. My name is Matt Hunter. I am the South Oaks campus pastor, and I am so excited to get to host a bonus episode today with Brother Gary Smith. Brother Gary is the pastor, the former lead pastor of Fielder Church for 25 years and has been such such a blessing to our church who we are in the past and continues to be a blessing to who we are now. And I'm I'm he's a hero of mine and I'm excited to get to have this opportunity to serve with him. So Brother Gary, uh, one of my favorite stories about you is that I got to be hired by you in 2010, but you've been you've meant so much to me when I was being rehired in 2016 right. while there was a transition happening between you and and Pastor Jason yep. and just seeing your humility and the way that you just dealt with Jason, the way that you handled me, even as you were still senior pastor at that time, bringing me in. And over the years, watching you continue to lead in humility, you're such yeah. a hero of mine. Yeah. So I'm fired up. I want to be like you oh, yeah. when I grow up in five years. Yeah. You're, you're way beyond that already, Matt. So, well, uh, honored to be here with you yeah. today, brother. You, uh, my family, we get to uh, South Oaks every chance we can yeah. to get to hear you yeah. preach. and. Love you and your family and uh, uh, your mom, dad, and everybody. So glad to be here with you today. Yeah, and glad that you guys can just join in on this mutual admiration society that yes. Brother Gary and I have That's going right. on here. But Brother Gary, for those of uh, our listeners or people watching that aren't maybe don't know you, haven't been at Fielder in the last couple of years, how about you share a little bit about all the ways that God's used you to yes. advance His kingdom? Well, great. Well, uh, of course, I called to preach uh, when I was in uh, out of college, and not called to preach, called to ministry. I really thought, uh, Matt, I'd be uh, in recreation. I was a coach, something along that line, and and uh, but then God began to impress us to be a pastor, and and I've had some great times. I went to the uh, pastored in L.A., uh, Laverne, Oklahoma, <laughs> and uh, bulging metropolis of 1,200 people. Yeah. And uh, but then came to Fielder uh, in '91 uh, and served 25 years. And it was a delight to pass the baton to Jason uh, because I knew that I knew that I knew he was the guy. And uh, it, it has been confirmed over and over again in these last years and uh, I'm delighted to still get to preach at Fielder and be a part of what God's doing. But I knew also when I uh, left Fielder this role that although I wasn't going to be a senior pastor that the Lord, I wasn't done. In fact, I don't think you're ever done in ministry, yeah. especially in this calling. And uh, so uh, I preach at Fielder six, eight times a year now and uh, we're faithful members and uh, we go to the Metro Center. That's where my son and his wife go. And uh, but we love this church and it's a delight uh, to get to be a part of what God's doing. Still go to church with your friends. My family, the best part of my life other than Jesus is Sandy and she ought to be doing this podcast. She's the real good <laughs> star of our family and the glue that holds us so much together. I have three children. Uh, I have a son, uh, Drew, who's with the Lord and uh, went to be with the Lord in 1986 in an accident. And then daughter uh, Katie, who lives in Houston, and she's the mom, uh, her and Steve, of our five, five of our grandkids, uh, four girls, 26, 24, uh, 22, 22 of them are getting, uh, one just got married in October, yeah. another one uh, be married in January. And then they have an adopted son, we love adoption, uh, Oliver, and his birthday's this coming weekend, we're going to see him for that. And then we, uh, then uh, three years after our son passed away, 
uh, we adopted our son uh, Matt and as a baby and what a delight. I was 40 years old and uh, when that happened and uh, such an incredible experience and he uh, special to me and uh, gave me reason to live after something difficult in our life. Uh, I do lots of things. I work for the North American Mission Board, represent them in Texas on a part-time basis. I teach adjunct at Dallas Baptist University, my favorite Baptist university in the world. <laughs> Go Patriots. Love that place, yeah. man. What a great school. And uh, then I have a nonprofit called Real Church Solutions where I help churches uh, in transitions. I actually uh, raise my own support for that so I can go anywhere, anytime and help churches around the country and here locally and get to do that. And, and that's that's been a lot of fun to me and just taken me a lot of places and allows me to uh, be fulfilled. You know, most guys in the past had, uh, at my age were put out to pasture yeah. and Southern Baptists have learned that maybe we still have something to add to the kingdom. And uh, uh, in fact, in the Jewish world, the Jewish rabbis, uh, they, and when they turn 50, become mentors to the younger rabbis. And I think uh, that's a good thing to yeah. do. So uh, that's our family and love being here at Fielder. That's so good. Well, I, I, I want you guys to know if you're watching that what Brother Gary is talking about and the opportunity he's getting to have to helping people transition. I felt like I had a front row seat to something mm -hmm. that's really so rare yeah. of a really healthy transition from you know, senior pastor to the to the new leader, the yeah. new lead pastor. And I just admire you wow. so much for that. And so I, I'm excited that we get to do this, but was really excited. What brought this on wasn't just the example that you said in that. It's the sermon that you preached at the South Oaks campus mm -hmm. the Sunday after Thanksgiving yes, sir. on the last days. Yes. And so I'd love for our listeners to get to hear what what was it that compelled you mm -hmm. You could have chosen any topic. It was a it was a standalone Sunday, standalone. no sermon series. Yeah. You get to pick the topic. What compelled you to talk about the last days and the second coming of Jesus? Well, I love the way we do preaching, by the way. I think Jason's got a great process of going through books and series, but there's a little gaps during the year where they're standalones. And um, uh, what I did, I, I, I always, when I'm asked to preach somewhere, I don't just pull something out of the sack and preach it of an old sermon, although I do that sometimes if God says so. But I, I just begin to say, God, what's the word for today for this group of people to hear? And uh, so as I began to think of what word would I want to share with the Fielder family, I just began to think in terms of, of what do I see in our world today that need to be addressed? And I realized that when I'm with people today, the number one question, other than are the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl, <laughs> uh, but the number one question they want to know is, do we think we're in the last days? Do I think Jesus is coming soon? And I do. And uh, so I think people, it, there's a heightened awareness of it right now uh, from what you see going on in our world and, and uh, how biblical prophecy fits so much in what's happening right mm -hmm. now. So the Lord just had me uh, do that. And, uh, uh, and of course, I'm covering a subject that was huge. Right. And uh, to do it in 35 minutes, I had to be very precise in what I did and not try and go a lot of detail. And uh, so that was why I chose that. Yeah, so I think... It's so interesting seeing how people respond mm -hmm. to conversations about the last days. Yes. And so you people typically respond one of two ways. Mm -hmm. Even people I'm talking about people in the church. Yes. It is it something to be afraid of uh. or is it something to be excited about? Where do I fall in the midst of all these things that I'm seeing as as I think about us potentially yes. being in the last days? 
Well, I think both of those emotions can be there. One, if you're not certain about your faith in Jesus, there's fear. Yeah. Uh, and so many people in the church today uh, are not certain about their salvation. What I love about our church right now is, is that every week we preach the yes. gospel and confirm that need. And if you're listening to this and you don't know that you know, uh, this is the time to get it right. And you should fear the coming of Jesus because it'll be quick and there will not be any room for a change. Uh, uh, then there's some uh, little bit of fear, even in my own soul about it, because I have people I know I want to be saved yeah. that are not saved. And it burdened my heart if today was the day, and it could be today, and that they would miss this incredible salvation. But the other side of that, there's a great excitement, and there's an excitement. And maybe, Matt, my generation is more aware of the reality of death and suffering, uh, I, I could uh, just think through our own community group all around that room when we meet, their prayer requests, and there's people with uh, various diseases and suffering that's going on in their life. And so there's an excitement about it that we're gonna go to something new. Yeah. And when you see suffering and you see what we go through as human beings, the result of sin and the rebellion of this world, we're excited about it happening. Come today, Lord. If it wasn't for more people being saved, I'm, I'm ready right now. Yeah. Let, let's, let's move out of this. And even though we'd miss the Cowboy game next week, okay. Uh, <laughs> and they're we, rolling right now. Yeah, I know. We, we would have a front row seat, though, wouldn't That's we? That's right. It'd be and, way better. Uh, uh, of course, uh, some of those guys would be going with us. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so there's an excitement in my soul about eternity, and I'm ready to get it on. Yeah. And the more as I age and I see and experience suffering and, and the, the, the body wasting away, as the Scripture says, I'm excited about yeah. it. And so I was trying to cover both of those. Uh, in, in one other thing uh, is that, that in our excitement about it, we don't need to be rude about it. The Bible speaks about our witness being with tenderness and with grace. And uh, we, we need to recognize that needs to be part of this witness. Yeah. So we've kind of, we've done a, we've, we've, intro we've introduced the topic here. Yeah. Now the question comes, what, what does the Bible say yes. about the last days? Because that's really what you're, you know, it's, we see the signs. What's the difference between seeing the signs and knowing the times? Oh, yes. And what the Bible says about that? Well, we need to recognize that when you read the New Testament, it's in every book but two in the New Testament. So you're talking about a major issue. So we should be informed about it because of how it's so addressed in the Bible and it's so prominent in the Scripture. The book of Thessalonians you know, talks yeah. about, don't be ignorant of this, that we should be teaching the people about the second coming of Jesus, how important it is. And so it should be, if, if you preach the books like we do, especially yeah. the New Testament, you're going to be confronting it all the time because it's there everywhere. And, and I dealt primarily out of Matthew 24 and 25, and uh, the fact there's, there's, there's a balance here is Jesus was very clear, you don't know the time of the day. Yeah. And we've gotta be careful. If you run into someone who can tell you the time of the day, you need to push that aside. Yeah. And a lot of people are, use that to sell books and get attention. And Jesus said, you certainly don't know the time. It'll come like a thief in the night. And any of us who know about a thief that comes in the night, you don't expect it. You're not prepared for right. it. Uh, so. And he said, be ready because there's a thief in the night. But then in that Matthew 24, it does say that you can see the signs of his coming. It talks about a fig tree that when it begins to blossom and bloom, you know there's coming yeah. something. 
Uh, other places it talks about it like childbirth. And a, a woman, us guys don't know anything about that, but women who understand childbirth, th th when the pains begin to come, the contractions, they know it's near. Yeah. And so God gave us the balance of saying, not even the angels know when it's going to happen. But as God's people, we can see where the world is going and say, my goodness, this could be the time. And certainly in every generation, there's been an anticipation of this. Mm -hmm. But I'm convinced our generation right now has a, an even clearer picture and the signs are more mature in what's happening yeah. and more precise in what's going on. So you talk about that. What, what are some of the things going on in the world today, some signs that we're seeing, maybe you've seen up close and personal yes. on your trips to Israel. Yes. What are some of the things that are happening in the world today that, that indicate that are signs for us that the Lord could be coming back? Well, we, we could do a hundred podcasts just on that <laughs> issue if you want to drill down to what... Uh, the, so I'm going to move, say, to 30,000 feet. Let's just talk about four general things. The very first one, certainly the most obvious to me, is the formation of the nation Israel. I, uh, reading a biography of Benjamin Netanyahu right now, and he, in his book, goes through the history of Israel, which is very, very clear as God established that nation. And then in 70 AD, after the death of Jesus on the cross, uh, they had a rebellion and the Jewish people were scattered. But the final scattering didn't come until 132. Uh, AD, uh, the 70 AD and 132 AD. In 132 AD, there was a great rebellion and they uh, wiped out the Jewish population almost entirely in Israel. But more importantly, they scattered them, Matt, all over the world. And so since 132 BC, there, uh, AD, there has been uh, always a little Jewish remnant there in Israel. Yeah. But uh, it has been dominated and, and ruled by uh, the Ottomans and other people who came in and took over the land. And they were, uh, from about 500 on, they were just a small minority and, and barely existed. They were not able to own land. They were uh, persecuted where they lived. But something happened in 1947 and 48 yeah. that, uh, that it was a game changer. And when people say that... Uh, uh, all these signs have been around to some degree. This is one sign that absolutely right. was not there. And that was the formation of the nation Israel. Then in the late 1800s, they began the Zionist movement where the people were gathered back and there were programs in Russia where they were persecuted and killed. And so thousands of them began to move back to Israel. And uh, then the Holocaust happened. And six and a half million Jews wow. were, were murdered and slaughtered. Uh, Matt, that's one half of the entire Jewish population in the world was wiped out. And uh, uh, so uh, when they were wiped out, they realized that they were going to be persecuted no matter where they lived or what generation they'd be in. And so there was a stronger move to go back and resettle the land. And in 1948, they declared themselves a state, a nation just a few hundred thousand people. They were a nation. We are a nation. And on their borders, over 200 uh, enemies, Arab nations, that said, we're going to come destroy you. And 200 million people with the biggest armies in the world, the most advanced military technology in the world, and they came after Israel. And the miracle is Israel survived. Yeah. Not only did they survive, then in 1967, uh, they had the Six-Day War, and they doubled the size of that country. And when people talk today about giving that land back, they should not give it back. They owned it in yeah. the very beginning. 
And so the idea of them giving it back, uh, they, uh, they were the ones it was taken from. Right. And so uh, uh, it, they, they doubled the size of the land, and now they have security. Prior to that, uh, the nation was only 17 miles wide, and so it was, uh, you couldn't defend it. Uh, the, the borders were not defensible. And so the formation of the nation Israel, that is from 132, that's about uh, 17, 1800 yeah. years, it did not exist as a nation. And now not only is it a nation, it is a flourishing nation. I read a, a book the other day, uh, My Promised Land and, and the Startup Nation, about how Israel is uh, technologically, they now uh, uh, on the New York Stock Exchange have the third uh, largest amount of uh, 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 companies on the stock exchange. Wow. It is a viable, exciting, prospering country. And it is there and it fits into God's plan for the yeah. future. And when that happens, you got to go, whoa, something's going on. And uh, but then the second thing that is going on is that there are biblical prophecies being fulfilled. Now, again, we could go yeah. to 50 of these, but I had us look at Ezekiel chapter 38, where Ezekiel says, you have been scattered. I will gather you again mm -hmm. from all the nations. And what is happening now in Israel is prophesied by Ezekiel in Ezekiel 38. Yeah. I will gather you together from all the nations. And when you go there, you see Yemeni Jews and Jews from Russia, Jews from South America, Jews from America, from all over the world, mm. they're gathering back. It's not just one monolithic ethnic group. It right. is a vast group. And it also says that this land will blossom like the Garden of Eden. And uh, if you go back and read uh, writers who were there in Israel over these years that they were not there, called it uh, a desolate area. Mark Twain uh, actually himself went to Israel and wrote in one of his books, the most desolate, worthless piece of property I've wow. ever seen. Why would anyone want to live here? And yet the Bible says it will be like the Garden of Eden. Well, when we go there, we go to the Valley of Jezreel, which is, and we stand on the on Mount Carmel, the exact spot where Elijah did battle yeah. with all those prophets that yeah. Jason mentioned in his sermon Sunday and did the battle with those prophets and the, said the Spirit of God rushed on Elijah, which yeah. is what he said in his sermon Sunday that was so good. And we overlook the Valley of Jezreel, which is where Armageddon will be. We can actually see, looking uh, to the right from us, the city of Megiddo, where uh, Armageddon is going to overlook that wow. that battle is going to be, and that's where you get Armageddon from. And yet, instead of in 1948, it was a flea-infested swamp, produced nothing, and now it is the most fertile piece of property in all the world. Wow! It is the breadbasket of Europe. That flea-infested swamp is now exporting stuff all over the world. And uh, now it, uh, it is uh, such a growing, vibrant area. That's prophesied by Ezekiel in Ezekiel 38. Then if you go all over the country, it is, it, it is fertile everywhere. Yeah. I remember one time I crossed the Egyptian border and we were coming from uh, Cairo in a bus and we came to the border and it was wasteland desolate like you and I have never seen. Worse than West Texas, okay? It was horrible. <laughs> we crossed the border. Palm trees, wow. date palm trees, uh, orange groves, wheat, everything growing imaginable. The nation Israel is today 
blossoming like the Garden of Eden. That was prophesied yeah. uh, that that would happen. But then another thing that's happening in our country uh, in a big way, but all over the world, is lawlessness. If you were to read the Matthew 24 passage, it says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That word nation is the word ethne. And we as a church want to take the gospel to the ethne of the world. And the ethne is coming to America today. Praise the Lord for that. God's given us such an opportunity. And now we're such a great mix of the peoples of the world. But what is worse than ever before? And that is race tensions. Mm -hmm. The battle between races. And you see lawlessness happening in America. Shootings, drive-by shootings. Uh, on the news today about a little eight-year-old, seven-year-old girl that was kidnapped by a delivery driver. And, mm -hmm. and four young ladies killed at a college, uh, three young students killed at a college campus. Drive, all the lawlessness. Yeah. Well, the Bible says that will increase. And we see the dramatic increasing of that. And wars around the world, you now have Russia has 17 bases in Syria, just north of, of Israel. And so the battle between the nations, the lawlessness, is worse than it has ever been in the history of mankind. Then one thing, other, I didn't get a chance to mention this in the sermon, uh, is the world, I believe, is ripe for the Antichrist. And uh, for a, what the Bible yeah. says is that we will have what's known as the Antichrist and people will bow down to him and all the nations will give their, uh, their allegiance to him and their sovereignty to them. Well, when I've read that over the years, I've said, no, uh, you know, Matt, that, that doesn't seem possible. We're independent nations. We'll, ever, we'll never do that. Yeah. But then in 2015, you may not have remembered the event, there was a soccer bombing in France where they killed 128 people. And we all followed what was going on there in France. And But they were bringing the leaders on. They were talking about martial law was enacted and how immediately they had laws in France that the government could go into any place, take over any place and move. And I realized that even in France, they have given up their sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And we're moving to an age today where prosperity, economic troubles are coming. We're also leave, living in a time where there's not peace. And if you had someone who could come along yeah. and guarantee wow. peace and prosperity, the world would bow down to that. Well, the Bible prophesies that that's going to happen. Yeah. So I pick out just those big things, mm -hmm. not all the small events of what's going to happen here and what's going to happen there. I take those, those big rocks, yeah. I would call it, that I believe the signs are here that Jesus is coming and, and, and uh, that He's coming soon because these things are increasing exponentially. Yeah. around us today. Well, it's like you said, it's like a uh, woman in labor, there's contractions, mm -hmm. you don't know. It could be a 19 hour labor, it could be yeah. as, you know, we yeah. have five kids and yes. each of those labors were different, but one was 19 hours, one was six hours, but each thing had contractions. So it could come sooner, it could come later, right. but we gotta be ready. Gotta be ready. So, so that leads into this question of, with all of that happening in the yes. world, with all these signs, all these things, what, you know, how do we apply that? What does that mean for our lives today? 
Good question. Well, Matthew 25, and I use that in the message, talks about the ten virgins and the ten uh, wedding attendants. Mm -hmm. So a wedding in that day had three stages. There was the engagement moment in which the parents arranged the marriage, yeah. and the couple would be introduced, and they would actually take vows at the engagement moment of commitment to one another. But then there would be a period of time that we'd go to the betrothal, and, and uh, that was what uh, uh, Mary and Joseph uh, were with. Uh, they were in that time with Jesus uh, after the they will they would actually come into a gathering of their family and friends and they would make a uh, uh, a commitment to one another. they'd say vows yeah they vowed to be married but they would stay separate Matt they would not be together there was that moment the, the groom would go home to his house and get things ready for the bride of course yeah. Sandy be better getting things ready than I'd be <laughs> all right he goes and gets the house ready he gets his finances ready and then he would uh, there would be a trumpet sound and he would come with the lamps with the I believe torches and those attendants would bring the groom Okay, the 10 that is used there in Matthew 25, I believe, was just a number of completeness. There wasn't yeah. a number that they had to have. He would come with the attendants, and they're the attendants of the bride. She would be, they would be there with her getting her ready yeah. for the groom. And the groom would come, and everyone would they'd lead this processional. And by the way, that parable talks about it being at midnight. Again, it's another realization at the least expected right, time, right. at the, the time where no one would expect when Jesus is going to come. And so they're coming, and but what he's talking about is five had oil for their lamps and five didn't. And Jesus said what he was doing here is saying, some of you were ready for the bridegroom, some of you were not. So what would I say that the Bible teaches us is in life that, number one, said it earlier, if you don't know Jesus, yeah. there is no reason to wait. You know, even if Jesus doesn't come for another hundred years, there's still no reason to wait. Yeah. It's better to live every day knowing Jesus anyway. So okay. Uh, so I just say to you today, if you don't know, make sure that's right make sure that you got your heart right. But then it also means for us as believers is that we need to be about witnessing. Yeah. Uh, Madam, so I'm part of your prayer team. One of the things I love about being part of your prayer team is the gospel appointments that you have. Mm -hmm. But you know something? That's not just for the mad hunters of this yeah. world and the preacher types. That's for all of us. God's placed in all of our lives relationships that we should be taking towards the gospel. I called one of our ministers about an Hispanic family that we've been working with, and they needed some uh, time uh, to talk about some legal things. I so love it that the, the minister that I appointed them to, appointed them to go, he said, oh, this will be a gospel opportunity. Yeah. But reality, Matt, every relationship yeah. is a gospel opportunity. Every relationship is a time that we can share Jesus. And all the things we want to know about people, we never should leave without knowing so where they stand in their relationship with Christ. And if we have family and f friends that don't know Jesus and neighbors, I just this morning was going through my prayer journal and God reminded me I need to get to know my neighbors better. All around me are people who don't know Jesus. Yeah. I know a few who do. But we should be about them uh, uh, knowing Jesus. But then the third thing, and I use a phrase all the time, whatever God's called you to, you better be about. And a lot of folks think, well, that's just you minister type guys. You're calling. No, God's called us all to something. He's gifted every one of us. So good. 
in ways that we can be leaders in the kingdom of God. I was at a banquet just this last weekend. Three men were sitting there and their wives that are involved in ministry that bubbled up as laymen in our church, okay? Brian Hammonds, uh, who is, uh, started going to Moldova because he was a, a, a pharmacist. Now we're planting churches in Moldova. He's leading us in that. He's leading his church to do that. Then uh, we had Trinity Kids with the Lallies, and that started as a ministry of our church. Now we just participate. Yeah. The Lallies, instead of one church, 26 churches. And now they're touching the world. God's called them to that. Jim, the, the Buffingtons, uh, they now are involved in Bridges to Life. Jim, that comes out of experience in right. his life, in his family. God's given every single one of us experiences He wants to use for His kingdom and His glory. And, and it's not time to sit around. Yeah. It's not time to say, I'm retired. It's not time to quit. It's time to, more than ever, find out what God's called us to. I know for me, when I knew that I wasn't going to be pastor of a church, I wanted to know, what's God calling me yeah. to now? And it was so delightful for me to realize that I still had a place in His kingdom. But the truth is, every one of us have a place in His kingdom. It's so good, Brother Gary. And I love what you said when you challenged everyone. If you're watching, you don't know Jesus yeah. yet. Not just even if Jesus doesn't come for another hundred years. That's right. Life and life to the full is only found in Jesus. Jesus. And so, if you don't know Jesus. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus, but also as the challenge that every single person, whether you are retired or whether you're, yes. you know, like me in your 30s and you're, you're kind of just your career is just really getting going or whatever the case may be, like since life is in Jesus, we have a lane to run in for That's his right. glory and that never runs out. And so we need to be telling people about Jesus. And, and no. I got to experience, Brother Gary, yeah. you talk about Brian ha uh, Hammonds. Yeah. You know, he started going to Moldova as a pharmacist, yes. opens all these doors in Moldova. I'm there in 2019 reaping the benefits yes. of a translator that he found that we started, planted a church we're Wonderful. partnering with and all of these orphans are coming to faith, being disciples in Jesus. And that started with a man that's right. who had a lane to run in for the glory of God and he ran in it. Oh, and so, so such a good word. Well, I remember one of the last words that was spoken, Jesus, he's about to send to heaven and he's told them, you know, when I leave, the, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, yeah. Judea, uttermost parts of the earth. And they were standing there looking. I love what the angel said. Angel walked up and said, hey, why are y'all standing around? Yeah, so he good. said it right there. This yeah. same Jesus that has gone into heaven is coming back to this very, very place. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, uh, if our idea about the second coming is that we're just to stand here and look into heaven, wow. we are missing it. Jesus said, wait a minute, I don't want you looking in heaven for me. I want you about ministry yeah. and you be surprised when I come. And I find you busy about my kingdom. So good. And I would pray for all of us. I, I know in my age group, there's a lot of different things we get to do in life. And, and we should be enjoying the fruits yeah. of what we've done in our life. God would bless that. But God wants us in the middle of ministry. So good. Yes, sir. So on your, in your sermon, you shared a specific story about Drew. You mentioned yeah. him earlier, yeah. your son. Yes. And about something, an experience you guys had over the Thanksgiving holiday. I'd love for you to share that story. But also, 
why you shared it in relation to a sermon about the end times. Yes. Well, um, of course, anyone who's lost a child or any loved one, you you miss them greatly, and especially you miss the voice of of them. And uh, my wife uh, realized that she had a, a box, a plastic box of cassette tapes. Now, by the way, those of you uh, mass age and younger, there used to be a little tape called a cassette tape. All right? <laughs> and uh, they were made when he was a child. And uh, it had a lot of different, it had my wife singing, me preaching, but it also had Drew speaking. And oh, we listened to that. And, and you know, it just, it, it was again, this that stab in the heart of, of, of how much we missed that guy. But at that moment, I was in the middle of preparing this message. And my first thought was, oh, I'll never hear that again. No, no, no. In light of the second coming of Jesus, I'm not only going to hear it again, it's going to be the best voice other than Jesus I will hear. I'll go lay my crown down at the foot of Jesus and and go on from that. But the first thing I want to do is hear His voice. And just this past week, I had to make a run to Arkansas to see some family members. I have two brothers and a sister and Two of them are in ill health. And I went to the cemetery, which I try to do, not every time I go. And I stood in front of that stone with his name and those mm-hmm. dates. And I'm grateful that last date's not the last date. That's the last time he was here on this earth. Yeah. But because Jesus is coming again, I can look at this, look at that and say, you know, this isn't the last word. There's something coming because Jesus is coming to receive us. And we, we want that within our Praise lives. God. So yeah. it's such a blessing. And it, and it is, uh, the Bible says we grieve, but we grieve with hope. Mm. And that's my hope of what Jesus has for me in eternity yeah. and through him. So good. Tell you what, I, I was so ministered to on Sunday mm-hmm. when you, uh, you sh- shared that story. Because mm-hmm. it is, it is all about Jesus. That's right. And I think sometimes we fail like in one extreme. We think about going to heaven and we in it is all about Jesus. But that's the we forget that we are going to be gathered together with all the saints. That's right. Or we fail on the other extreme. And we're like, I just can't wait to see the people who are there. We're missing the whole purpose of heaven (laughs) is to be in the glory of God. And so just the 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 mix of those two and the the perfect balance of it's like I'm going to lay my crown down at the feet of Jesus. That's right. And then. I'm going to go find my son. That's right. so good. Hallelujah. Well, you know, a lot of times as us, you keep talking about us preacher types, yeah. right? We, uh, we can't get everything we want to get in the sermon. Mm-hmm. And this obviously is a huge topic. And so it's hard to cover in 35 minutes. If there was one, just one thing that maybe you had to cut out that you wanted to just dive just a little bit deeper in in your sermon about the last days, what, what would you say that one thing would be? Well, what I would do is I'd read the New Testament looking for what it says about that. If I had one thing, there is such a wealth of information. I'm reading also my devotion of Daniel. Daniel has a lot to say about this. I I would encourage you to read and study this issue. There's some great authors. Uh, Gary Frazier, a friend of mine, has written the book Miracle of Israel, one of his best books. Robert Jeffers, who pastors at First Baptist in Dallas. Uh, David Jeremiah has some incredible books. Mm-hmm. I would encourage you to study it because we should be knowledgeable of this. Uh, we should not be people that just say, well, I, I know it's happening and I don't know. No, the Bible's given us all this information. Yeah. 
we ought to know it now. I'm not talking about doing it so we can figure out the time or date. Yeah. But so we can read the signs and read the world. And so whenever we are witnessing, we can be intelligent witnesses yeah. about this to other people. And that'd be the one thing I would have done is I would have spent some time uh, showing all through the Bible. In fact, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. And I'm afraid we are ignorant of it. He wants us to know about it and we should study it. So we not so we can say we know it, yeah. But so we can prepare us for what God yeah, wants us I to do. Yeah, I love the way you say that. That it's not for the sake of gaining knowledge, so we That's can right. prove people wrong. It's so we can love people better and be ready. That's right. Because we want them to meet Jesus with us. Exactly right. Yeah. So, Brother Gary, it's it's evident that one of the things that has kind of really influenced you in this is all the time that you've spent in Israel. Yeah. And whenever you're talking about it, it's like, I, I just, I want to go with you. No. And hopefully that is going to be able to happen sometime. But I'd love for the listeners to okay. hear about the trips that you take and how possibly they could even be a part of that. Great. Well, what happened to me is when I first came to Fielder, uh, you used to, in those days, you had a lot of revivals and pastors were given time to go do revivals. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I wasn't real good at that. So <laughs> uh, I really looked for some other way as an outlet of ministry beyond Fielder. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I, we went to Israel and it made the Bible a three-dimensional book. It just yeah. came alive standing in those places. But I also watched the impact it had upon people. So Sandy and I, when we we went in 83 the first time and yeah. 10 years later went in 93, uh, we just saw what it did in the lives of people. It is so exciting to watch the Bible come alive yeah. in, in people's lives. And so we started going and uh, we've, uh, people ask me how many times I 25, 30 times, I don't know. But let me just say, I'm going again next September. I'm as excited about that one as I've ever been so, because I learn every time I go. And so Sandy and I take groups to Israel and uh, we we go every, this year, next year we're going in uh, September and we spend eight days. We go up to the Sea of Galilee. By the way, 65%, 70% of everything Jesus did was around the Sea of Galilee. Wow. So you could stay there for three weeks. And then we come down for five nights in Jerusalem. Also go down by the Dead Sea, go to Masada. We float in the Dead Sea. You don't yeah. swim, you float. Yeah. And we go to uh, En Gedi where David uh, was, uh, was with Saul and, and could have killed him and didn't do that. And uh, out of respect, we uh, go to Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls are. But the most important thing is to stand outside the garden tomb. And I've gone every year and it's still empty. All right. <laughs> and someone say, do you know it's there? And I say, I'm 99% sure it's there, but I want you to know wherever it is, it's still empty. All right. And so we, we host groups of folks. Uh, we also, uh, this spring, we do about every four years, the Journeys of Paul. It's a different trip. We fly into Thessaloniki and do Philippi, Thessaloniki, Berea, and we follow Jesus on that Macedonian call all the way down to Athens and Corinth. And uh, the, again, the the Bible comes alive yeah. uh, in that place. It, it is more, Matt, seeing the paganness of the world. That world is still very ungodly, yeah. and uh, and it's still uh, churches are very very few over there. And you realize the mission work here in America. We got church on every corner, yeah, an evangelical church. And you realize how our world needs to know Jesus. That's going to be April twenty second. Uh, we'll leave through May second. To, to if you want to be a part of that, uh, there is a website called DCT Travel that would make two T's in a row. 
D uh, as in dogs, C as in cow, T as in travel, but dcttravel.com. Or you can go, if, if you just put in Discovery Cruises and Tours, and you will see our trips, and you can sign up online. Uh, the one in April, you need to do that quickly because we'll be closing that down here in the next few days. And so uh, you go, and, and that's a great trip. The one in September, we're going back to Israel. I have a guide who I go with, and a great guide in, uh, in the journeys, but my guide is Yuval Shemesh. Yeah. Uh, a Sabra, a person who was born in Israel, and and he makes that book come alive. And I've watched him mature. Uh, he was a great guide, and then he came to know Jesus about 10 years ago, and he's a fabulous guy. <laughs> and so you can be a part of that. Sandy and I would love to host you. You'd especially like to get to know Sandy, I promise. Yeah. And so we'd invite you to go with us. I mean, the, the more I get to know Sandy, I like you more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's, she's the main influence. So already. if people want to support your organization, oh. the Real Church Solutions, where should they go to be a part of that? I have a website, Real Church Solutions, and uh, people, uh, what I do with, the, uh, I'm able to go to pastors uh, who don't, the churches don't have any money. I actually pay my own way mm -hmm. and go and help. And if you wanted to support that, uh, go online, realchurchsolutions.com, and there's a place where you can make a contribution to, it's tax deductible, by there the way. It's a, it's a 5013C, it's fully <laughs> registered with the IRS. And I have folks that have given to that for these last five years. And if you'd like to be a part of that, I, I promise you, it's money that will count for the kingdom of God. I, I'm not using it uh, to buy hamburgers and play golf, okay? I'm using it uh, for the kingdom. Yeah. And uh, so love for you to be a part of, of, of being a uh, of that by giving to that ministry. Okay. Praise God. Well, Brother Gary, thank you so much. Yes, this sir. has been such a blessing. I know I've been encouraged and challenged. I even got to hear the sermon. So this has just been a real <laughs> bonus for me. But I want you guys to know, thank you for choosing to join us and be a part of this with us. If there's any further information that you want or want to reference something that Brother Gary talked about, all of those things are in the show notes, those resources so that you can right. get those. But it's been a blessing for us to be with you. Hope that you're blessed. And so we'll see you next time on the next episode here on the Field of Church podcast. See ya. God bless you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Let us know if you have any questions or feedback from today's episode by going to fielder.org slash podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just leave a comment below. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review. That helps this message reach more people in our community because it's our hope this podcast will equip you and many others to live as a follower of Christ outside the walls of the church.